0: Hey, MedTech Talk listeners. This is Tom Salemi. Thanks for joining us on the MedTech Talk podcast. Very happy to have you here today. And uh, we're going to do a little cross pollination in the old MedTech department. We're uh, following some of the deals that are going on in the ophthalmology space. I don't know if you know, but we have a booming franchise in ophthalmology, the uh, Ophthalmology Innovation Summits. And uh, we've got three of them now. One of them's coming up on uh, August 8th in San Francisco. It's O I S at ASRS. It's going to uh, precede the uh, ASRS annual meeting, and it's focused entirely on the retina, which uh, which obviously is a a small but growing area within healthcare, and one that's uh, that's really on the verge of uh, generating a next generation of of treatments, uh, both in, in drug and device. But we're going to talk about the device side today, obviously. Uh, so, uh, separate from the retina, uh, Ophthalmology's had a huge couple of weeks. Uh, we've seen the approval of Abbott Medical Optics Technos Symphony uh, IOL. We've seen the approval of Revisions Raindrop Inlay. And we saw the acquisition of InFocus, which is a company that's been working in the glaucoma space. And uh, has sort of an interesting MIGS technology. We, again, we follow these all. Aggressively uh, at our uh, ois.net website, and if you don't get our uh, Ion Innovation newsletter, I suggest you go to ois.net, sign up for the Ion Innovation newsletter. We cover ophthalmology broadly. Yep, there's there's some drugs, but there's a lot of med tech as well. And uh, you might want to consider looking at our ois events uh, in the future. There's uh, there's a a, a huge amount of device going on, devices uh, device talk going on at those. Uh, Bill Link of Versant is uh, is one of our co-chairs, and uh, and Gil Kleiman is another co-chair, along with Emmett Cunningham of Claris. So uh, you've got the three big names in ophthalmology, and they cover biopharm and medtech uh, very broadly. So today we're going to just sort of dip into uh, ophthalmology. I had a great conversation with uh, Dr. Mark Humayun, who uh, is a, a, an ophthalmologist, a surgeon, and an engineer. Uh, he's at USC. But he's, he's probably best known uh, for his, uh, his innovation. And one of, I think, the highlights, and he says it's one of the highlights of his career, if not a high point, is uh, a little over 20 years ago, he and uh, Dr. Jean Dewan of Foresight, uh, prior, of course, to Foresight, were performed a procedure on a patient with retinitis pigmentosa. They, they implanted a, uh, a stimulator on the retina or just kind of touched it to the retina, and was, were able to restore, um, to help this patient who had retina, retinitis pigmentosa, was blinded by it, to help them see light. It uh, wasn't anything clear, but it was just a flash of light. And from that, that was the aha moment that told them that we can do this. We can build a device that can restore vision by stimulating the retina. And 20 years later, uh, they had Argus 2 on the market. They created Second Sight, developed Argus 1. That led to Argus two, and now there are patients who, at one time, could not see. Now, being able to to make out the the shapes of their their grandchildren and to take a walk down the street. So, that that to me is what MedTech is and, and what it does. I mean, it just it's such an important sector. It's one that I love to cover, and it's stories like these really that make me excited to be part of it. So, a doctor, I talked to Doctor Hamayan about uh, innovation, what it means to him and uh and sort of where it's headed uh in ophthalmology so i hope you enjoy this conversation and and again consider ophthalmology as you go forward we'll have dr Humayun as a co-chair of our ois at asrs event coming up on san francisco in san francisco on august 8th and if you like this conversation consider joining us there uh in san francisco so No further uh, waste of your time with my voice. Uh, Let's get into this interview with uh, Dr. Mark Humayun. Well, Dr. Mark Humayun, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm glad to have you here. We had uh, Bob uh, from Second Sight, Bob Greenberg from Second Sight on uh, last year. I think it's been a while. And uh, he had conveyed the origins of, of Second Sight. And it's just such a great ophthalmology story such a great med tech story that that initial procedure that uh, you and Jean uh, Dewan were involved in can you take us back a little bit to that I just I, I've been wanting to talk to you about it. I mean what was that that experience like to, to to essentially give the first glimpses of vision to someone who hadn't had it in so long and maybe you can tell us a bit about how that all came together
1: yeah well I mean the second Side project was really a moonshot when we first thought of it about now almost 30 years ago. Um, You know, the idea of using electronics to put into the eye to restore sight uh, was really science fiction. Um, And so to make it science fact, you know, there were lots of hurdles that we had to overcome, uh, including uh, initial funding, uh, because there was really no proof of science, leave alone proof of concept. So the key turning point was, you you know, when we took these tiny electrodes and put them into uh, momentarily in the operating room for about 45 minutes or thereabouts into a blind person's eye. Now these patients were blind from retinitis pigmentosa and by blind I mean no light perception. So mm, those tests showed us uh, that when we could actually stimulate in a local area, um, the patient could see a spot of light and they could track the frequency of stimulation and the location of the probe in the eye which was very, very exciting, meaning that we could actually input through this blind retina uh, and have uh, the patient have visual perception of seeing a spot of light. So that really changed you know, the whole project. It wasn't so much now uh, that it couldn't be done. It was more, could we actually engineer a device and put it into the eye to make this possible?
0: And, and when that happened, when you had those moments of success... What were your, your, your feelings at that time like at, at that one moment?
1: Well, I mean, <clears throat> that moment, as I've said before, is is really one of in fact, it is uh, the most exciting moment in my professional career. It's the defining uh, point for my career. Uh, this is a project that I've dedicated my entire professional life to. So having that um, you know perception that even if it was a small spot of light and even if it was dim and flickering, uh, I remember that just like yesterday it was uh, an amazing moment and the defining moment for my professional career.
0: And, and did you envision the, the, the path that it took to finally get uh, the Argus device or the Argus 2 device on the market? Did you anticipate it being that long a road? I know, you, I know Argus 1 came out about 12 years ago or so, um, but did, what, what did you think was lying ahead when you had that, that moment of success and, and how did that match reality?
1: Well, that, mom- that moment uh, of success in that operating room with handheld electrodes was very, uh, as I mentioned, was extremely uh, joyful. It's something that I still remember clearly. Uh, but then as, we, as the um, emotions of joy uh, came back to reality, and the reality was we knew we had a very long road ahead. Um, there was just no such device. That had ever been complicated. Sorry, there had never been such a device that ever been thought about for the eye, and uh, you know, to make this device, how do you interface with the retina? The eye moves; uh, it's extremely delicate. What about the, uh, you know, the lens, the cornea, the sclera? Um, There were lots of challenges, and we knew it was a long road ahead. Uh, But you know, did we know it was going to take from 2000 when we did these tests were Literally in 1992 did we really know that it was going to take that much longer? I would say no but we knew it was a long road
0: and and it really was a, a, a perfect fit for your background being a, a, both in, in medicine and engineering it's the it's a great uh, a combination of, of both did you uh, did you did you seek um, the, both the medical and the engineering background sort of knowing that? these possibilities were uh, ahead that we could have these sort of implants or is this just a good bit of timing that your skill and your training and, and technology sort of, uh, the advances of technology sort of came together in that one important moment?
1: Well, this project is, you know, a very personal uh, motivation. There's a very personal motivation behind this project. Uh, my grandmother went blind when I was in medical school and it made me Focus on developing something for patients who are going blind or are blind, and then really I had no uh, no background in engineering, but it's really the project that drove me to go back uh, in medical school pretty late, and also in residency to get a PhD in engineering, uh, and then really bring those two together to see this project do fruition. So. It was a personal motivation from my grandmother going blind that took me into this path and going back and, and getting an engineering degree to make this project possible.
0: Mm-hmm. And what were your experiences in, uh, in working with Al Mann and uh, getting uh, Second Sight Done? He obviously passed away recently. He accomplished, had accomplished so much. What was, uh, what was it like to work with him on this?
1: Well, Al Mann, you know, is, is a very unique, was a very unique figure. Um, you know, I we all in the medical device community uh, are really saddened by, by his uh, death. I mean, he had a very full life and he passed away when he was uh, 90. Um, but he, you know, without him, uh, it's difficult to develop these long-term projects. He was one that was... Once he believed in the science and the approach, he was uh, a big cheerleader and always supportive of the project through uh, ups and downs. And projects like these and the other ones that he worked on, whether it was the Pacemaker or the Cochlear Implant or his latest, which was, um, which is the drug delivery uh, system, inhaled drug delivery system, these have taken, you know, decades, and he was always supportive uh, both from a financial and emotional uh standpoint which was which is so critical and so missed without him being here absolutely
0: and going back to your your innovative drive you've you've obviously worked with a lot of innovative people people who' who've created new ideas. do you find that there's a common thread between uh people who have uh who are are looking for absolutely new ways of doing things is there a personal motivation in a lot of people. Is it more just a scientific curiosity? Perhaps it's a, it's a mix of both. What what have what's your experience been like in working with other innovators? What drives them?
1: Uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to to get the National Medal of Technology and Innovation this year,
0: mm-hmm. presented by Doctor.
1: Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, and at that, you know, I I've interacted with um, innovators and uh, and technologists, and at that um, meeting, it. I met a number of them that were also getting the award, and it basically the reason I mentioned that is that <clears throat> this uh, interaction just recently you know further confirmed um, the kind of experiences I've been having with innovators um, is that you know usually they um, they go into it either because of a personal um, interest or personal motivation or they just like what they're doing uh, there's no um, it's just a lot of fun for them. So there isn't really any timelines per se or any idea that they'll make a product uh, and make a lot of revenue or return on investment. They're just truly driven by um, the pure, you know, experience and the love of innovating. So it's, it's really, and of course there, there's a blend where people are motivated personally because uh, somebody in their family, um, you know, either went blind or had a heart problem or, or you know, a stroke or whatever. Um, but they also very much enjoy innovating and going through the ups and downs and really, you know,
0: paving a new path. Hi, everybody. Tom here. I'm going to take a quick break from this conversation to ask you to go to our website, com. It's the word health, followed by the letters E G Y dot com. Uh, Healthogy produces uh, some of the uh, the better known conferences in healthcare, including the MedTech Conference, which we're all very familiar with, and the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit, as well as the uh, OIS events. And uh, if you have interest in uh, any of those areas of healthcare, and you really should, uh, go to healthogy.com. Sign up for our newsletters, get our podcasts, and of course, attend our events. And uh, you will be one of the better-informed investors/slash entrepreneurs/slash executives out there. Now back to this conversation on the uh, on the clinical side and, and the in the practice of medicine. How what uh, how has that changed for you? And, and and what do you enjoy about about treating patients? Obviously, restoring vision in someone uh, is a has to be an enormous accomplishment, but but beyond those those great moments, just the day-to-day in ophthalmology, what, what drives you? What, what do you enjoy about the specialty?
1: Well, I love ophthalmology because, um, yeah, and love interacting with the patients because you get to practice a, a well-known art. So basically, when you're in the clinic, uh, whether it's through your diagnosis or your surgical skill, you're able to see results immediately or, or in short order because you're practicing something that's well established, um, and it gives you an appreciation for those procedures um, <clears throat> because then you go back to you know what you're innovating and the first in human uh, trials, and you learn that you know even the simple steps, um, if they haven't been refined or worked through, can be challenging. So it gives you a great appreciation for what you practice in the clinic. Um, especially if you're innovating new technologies. But more than that, you know, it's, it's the human aspect of it. You see patients, you'll to improve their vision, but also you're driven by those, um, you know, who you can't help, and that's a real motivation to continue to invent.
0: That's terrific. And you're, you're obviously involved in leadership. You're the incoming uh, uh, president of AS, ASRS. And uh, you're going to uh, take office in, in August at, at the annual meeting where we'll be with our OIS at ASRS for the first time. What, uh, what do you envision uh, uh, happening in retina in the coming year, both from, a, from your position in leadership, but also in the specialty itself? How has the retina specialty changed in coming years, in, in recent years rather, and how do you see it uh, uh, developing in, uh, in the upcoming years?
1: Yeah, it would be, it's really great to have uh, OIS at uh, ASRS for the first time this year. We all are looking forward to that and looking forward to a, a continued long relationship. Um, you know, OIS brings uh, certain aspects, uh, certain uh, corporate uh, and early stage uh, company uh, aspects that, you know, are not typically uh, Discussed or discussed to a great length in a meeting like ASRS. So we're really looking forward to having OIS at ASRS. Uh, in terms of retina, I mean, I think it's a it's a wonderful, exciting time. You know, pharmaceuticals are really coming into play and have been in play in a very big way, and they will continue to um, you know make a difference for for the retina. I, I think biologic. Uh, approaches, uh, whether cell-based approaches or um, gene therapy approaches are also extremely interesting and something that we're all looking forward to and um, in, in really bringing to fruition in retina. And I think from you know a device side, uh, both in terms of diagnostics and therapeutics, you know, we're getting into being able to really see the retina uh meta- you know both uh structurally down to micron levels, but also some very interesting work starting to look at the retina from a metabolic function standpoint so I think uh you know in terms of uh retina there's a lot of great things happening on the on the research and development side. we do have to also um you know work in the advocacy area to make sure that reimbursements and other things are appropriately. Um, kept, uh, so you know people continue to want to go into retina, and and we can continue to treat our patients as best as we can.
0: Is that a challenge having physicians uh, uh, choose retina as a specialty? It's my understanding it's a it's a very popular space. But is there is there some? I mean, we're seeing a lot of a lot of uh, advances in glaucoma. That seems to be a specialty that's that's growing as well. But what how how high is the level of interest in, in retina for uh, for new ophthalmologists?
1: Well, I mean, if you look at one metric is to look at ASRS um, credentialing, and so how many um, fellows are coming in uh, and signing up, both in fellows and training, and then as regular members, and this has continued to grow uh, and do so very well. So we don't see any diminution in it, um, so I think people continue to be very interested in retina. Uh, and to go into retina as a subspecialty of ophthalmology,
0: and, and you mentioned the uh, the the second sight uh, initial uh, procedure of almost twenty four years ago, being sort of a moonshot with all the advances in, in technology and all the, all the interest in retina. I mean, are we on our our, our way to Mars? Is there are we going to see some even more exciting advances uh, in the coming years?
1: I think this field of bioelectronics, uh, as I you know call it for ophthalmology is is very interesting uh, I think that you know how these devices work, whether it's for a future version of the retinal um, prosthesis like the second sight prosthesis, whether it's for an implantable drug pump um and whether it's for you know even intraocular pressure measurement or some other aspects um, even a con electronic contact lens. Uh, you know, Google Google has talked about that. Um, so I think, you know, this area of bioelectronics for ophthalmology, we're just, I believe we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg, and I think we're going to see a lot more technologies being developed in this space that will provide both personalized and precision medicine.
0: I was going to ask you about, about Google and about the other tech companies showing an interest. What is your your take on that? Uh, on one hand, they're obviously a fantastic company. You'd love to have their their expertise here, but uh, you know the eye is, is particularly challenging. I think, and I think Google is is learning that with their uh, contact lens uh, that was going to measure glucose levels. Uh, is this a, a positive for ophthalmology? Having the apples and the Googles in the world sort of looking at ophthalmology and looking at the eye?
1: I think I think it is a it is a real positive for ophthalmology and eye care in general to have the um, big tech companies sort of look at this space. Um, you know, and to develop these tech solutions, high tech solutions, Samsung is very interested. Uh, Google is very interested, and I think we'll see you know others get involved. And I think that that will bring you know a lot of this um, microelectronics and nanoelectronics sensors to the space. Now, you know, of course, uh, they have to realize that this is not an you know autonomously driving car type of situation. <laughs> you know, they really have to understand, uh, the biology in the space. So as long as they partner with the right, um, people to make sure that, you know, they don't waste their resources or get frustrated and get out of this space. Uh, I think that as long as there's a good marriage that I, I really welcome this and I look forward to more of these companies getting involved in this space.
0: Excellent. Well, again, we're excited to, uh, to have you uh, head up uh, our uh, our new OIS uh, family member at OIS at ASRS. It's going to be August eighth. I mean, are you uh, getting a lot of uh, 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 interest or feedback from from folks at ASRS? Is there an excitement about the the event that's coming? Yes, actually,
1: uh, I've gotten a lot of interest in in OIS at ASRS. Um, certainly, the executive committee of ASRS is very excited, as well as. Uh, a number of the board members so we really do look forward to it um, you know it's the first meeting so we'll see how things go um, but it's good uh, you no know, we've gotten a lot of excitement and uh, look forward to working with OIS not not only this year but many years to come
0: great I know you'll be uh, co-moderating a panel I think with Emmett Cunningham on uh, combination therapies and AMD and DME so that's uh, that's looking to be an exciting part of the agenda
1: Yeah, I think that's a very exciting area uh, as we deal with, you know, frequent injections. Can we actually um, have these combination therapies and what role will they have in extending that interval between uh, injections into the eye for retinal diseases? So that's going to be a great session and, you know, it's just going to be a great
0: meeting. Excellent. Well, we appreciate you taking a few minutes to to talk about retina and for sharing the, the second side story. And of course... For uh, talking a bit about OIS at ASRS,
1: absolutely happy to do it. Thanks, Tom. All
0: right, well that's it. Thanks, Dr. Mayan, for joining us on this podcast and for your work with OIS at ASRS. Very excited to uh, to see you there in San Francisco. Thanks, MedTech Talk listeners. I hope you enjoyed uh, this conversation about innovation. And, uh, and I hope you'll join us at OIS at ASRS uh, in San Francisco on August 8th. And uh, tune in next week, and we'll have another tale of innovation for you at the MedTech Talk podcast.